Now, I would never have said that before because mm-hmm. I would think, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, you know, hey, look, I'm a nice girl. I'm a recovering nice girl. Right? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes right down to it, I'm a recovering nice girl. So, but what I realized is that if things are important to you, if you have certain values and you don't see them being replicated in society, then it's my responsibility to say something. It's not my right. It's my responsibility. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. This is the podcast to help you turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand every single day to your next career breakthrough. Now, I am super excited to have an awesome guest on the show today. Her name is Dr. Lois Frankel, who many of you probably know as the author of Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office and the subsequent books following that. One of the reasons why I wanted to have Dr. Frankel on the show today is because she's literally coached and trained thousands and thousands of executives over the past 30 years. But what I love about Dr. Frankel is that she's super clear on what her brand is, what her brand is as a speaker, what her brand is as an author, and what her brand is as a coach. And that's one thing that I think we can all benefit from. It is the clarity of having a brand architecture. Now, we've spoken in the past about having your brand attributes and your brand foundation, but quite simply, a brand architecture is a way to clearly describe what you do. The easiest way to think about this is going to a grocery store. When you go into a grocery store, they have an architecture that tells you what they sell that makes it easy to shop in their store. So you go into the grocery store and you know they have produce and they have meat and they have dairy. Your brand architecture needs to describe what aisles can I shop in your store? So, for example, I go out and tell people that I am a personal brand expert, I'm a diversity advocate, and I'm a keynote speaker. And it makes it really easy for people to think about consuming Jason. I might go straight over to the personal branding aisle in the Jason Patria store. Or maybe I'm going over to the diversity aisle of that store. Or on other times, I need to go over to that keynote speaker aisle of that store. Or sometimes I'm actually going to multiple aisles at once. But the key difference is... There's a power of threes. There's a power that I can describe what that architecture is and make it easy for people to consume my expertise. 
Now, what we know is true is when you're trying to be everything to everybody, you're really nothing to no one. And what your brand architecture does is help narrow it down into clearly defined lanes that can help you. And more importantly, help your career audience know what to turn to you for. So in a moment, we're going to be joined by my fabulous guest, Dr. Lois Frankel. Now, she is the president of Corporate Coaching International. She's a New York Times bestselling author, an executive coach, and a sought-after keynote speaker. And in fact, she's someone that I have role-modeled my own career after. You've probably seen her on shows like Larry King Live and The Today Show or 2020 discussing her books, including her most famous one, Nice Girls Don't Get the corner office. We'll be back in just a moment with Dr. Lois Frankel. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. All right, and we are back, and I am excited for my fabulous guest, Dr. Lois Frankel. Lois, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you doing, Jason? I am doing spectacular, and I'm so thrilled to have you on the show because I've been a huge fan of yours ever since I met you, which seems like it was actually like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm dying to get into this. Talk to me, Lois, when you first meet people and they don't know who you are, how do you explain who you are and what you do? Well, you know, I've got it pretty well down that I say essentially I do three things. Number one, I'm an executive coach. Number two, I'm a keynote speaker. And number three, I'm a best-selling author. So that's how I introduce myself. And so tell me, you've been doing this for 30 plus years, right? Owning your own business. Oh, too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. how, how did you get into this? What was the career breakthrough for you? Well, you know, there were probably a, a couple of breakthroughs, but one in particular was um, I had worked for Arco, the oil company, uh, in human resources for 10 years. And when I quit there, I quit to start a private practice of psychotherapy. And I had that private practice and I realized, believe it or not, I missed human resources. I didn't, work, I didn't miss working for someone else because I always say my worst day working for myself is better than my best day working for somebody else. Um, so uh, I, did, I, did, I wasn't sorry I left, but I realized I wasn't using all the skills and the education I had. I wasn't putting it all together. And then a client called me, a client that I had been doing some training for, called me and said, Lois, would you be willing to coach someone? And you have to remember, this was over 30 years ago. Ago, and there weren't executive coaches 30 years ago, but this particular woman was always on the cutting edge of everything. And I, I said to her, you know, can you tell me a little bit more what you're looking for? And she said, you know, Lois, you've done training, you've worked in human resources, you've been a therapist, you put it all together, you have a coach. And I thought, I don't know what she's talking about, but I'm going to give this a try. <laughs> and I did. And it was a breakthrough. It was life-changing for me, truly life-changing. Because what happened was, 
I realized I really was using every bit of my abilities uh, and it put everything together in a way that also suited my personality. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in the therapy room, you know, therapy is a whole different thing than coaching. And in coaching, you know, I'm able to use that energy to move people forward. And it just suited me better. That's all. So that was one breakthrough. And then there was another significant breakthrough. And that was the time when I realized I was never going to get rich, only earning what I could earn during a week. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, you know, if you're charging by the hour, you can charge a lot per hour, of course. But I could only earn so much because there had to be a certain amount of time devoted to business development, to administrative, to, you know, all kinds of things. So then I realized, well, wait a minute. Um, why don't I put together a group of coaches and I can market them and take a percentage of what they make and I can keep coaching and doing my thing. And that's what I did. And that's how I founded Corporate Coaching International. Um, and it was based on the premise that each client needs something different. They don't always need Lois Frankel. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they need someone else who brings a whole different skill set or different personality for that matter. And mm-hmm. so, you know, at our peak, we had about 12 or 15 coaches and uh, we had them all pretty busy for quite a while. So that was really a breakthrough for me, too. So you have written so many books. Tell me about what it was like to write that first book and, and how was that a breakthrough for you? Well, you know, most people haven't even heard of my first book. And my, <laughs> <laughs> uh, although it's still available, it's still available from uh, Health Communications. And it was called Women, Anger and Depression, Strategies for Self-Empowerment. And it was based on my experiences as a therapist to women, to professional women. Because whenever I would listen to their stories and I would say, gee, how does a powerful woman like you let someone treat her like that. To a woman, they would say, me, I'm not powerful. Mm. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, I got to say something about this. So, you know, every one of my books, Jason, was written because, number one, I had something that I had to say. You know, I I couldn't live with if I didn't say it. And number two, it was designed to help people I would never meet. So really, Mm. whether it was a book about therapy, if it was a book about coaching or leadership, always in my head was, this is for the people I'll never meet. And I want to share with you everything that I share with my paid clients. And so that was the first one. And then I shifted and I wrote, well, originally it was called Overcoming Your Strengths. And it became Stop Sabotaging Your Career. And that was for both men and women. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, actually got a little bit of notoriety. Fast Company named it the best unsung business book of the year, the year that it came out. Um, But then obviously everything changed when I wrote Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. Of course. That's what we all know you for. And it's almost a series, right? Well, it is. It's like, you know, it's a trilogy of books. And that changed my brand significantly because before then I was working both with men and women, primarily men, because that's who corporations were investing in. And my model was to work with corporations, not particularly with individuals who came to me, but rather uh, individuals who were referred by corporations, another business model that I consciously chose. And after that, I was working mostly with women. Interesting. So 
you are on the verge of a career breakthrough because earlier this year you declared on LinkedIn and your your social feeds that you were you were shutting off um, on December 31st. So tell us about this cool new venture that you're going to do starting in the new year. Yeah, what I did, I, you know, I was all signed up to do like the Lois Frankel uh, farewell tour, right? <laughs> and, and I had engagements around the world. And on March 16th, 17th, 8th, and I don't know, 30th, all that ended. Mm. And so in some ways, I'm grateful to COVID in some ways <laughs> because, you know, it really sped up and I had to like think quickly on my feet. It sped up my um, where I was going with my new brand. And people say I'm retiring. And I say, no, I'm not retiring. I am simply starting a new chapter of my book. And so I'm going to be doing three things. First, I am going to be coaching women who want to get into politics. Mm. I want to coach them in how to craft their message and how to deliver it powerfully. Because I personally feel that the answer to most of our country's problems lie in women's leadership. And it's not that women make better leaders, it's that we make different leaders. Mm -hmm. And it's time for that difference to be uh, at the table more prominently. So that's number one. Number two, I'm in training to do something that is so exciting. And most people who are listening that are not in Southern California or Los Angeles won't know this. And that is to be a docent at the Gamble House in Pasadena. Ah, did you, you know, I'm from Pasadena. So I know, you know, the Gamble House. Of course. Right. It's a beautiful, beautiful. Tell us about it. Yeah, the Gamble House is one of the best maintained examples of the arts and crafts movement of the early, very early 1900s. It was owned by David and Mary Gamble from the Procter and Gamble family. And it is it, it, the architecture, the furniture, you know, is all custom designed and it is just beautiful and it's a home. And I think, you know, what draws me to it is the story of the home. And so I'm just finishing up. As a matter of fact, uh, this week, I will take my do my practicum, which is a practice tour with a seasoned docent going through the house. And so I'll be doing that. So if anybody, once we open up the house again, of course, it's been closed because of COVID. Once it's opened again, you know, check it out when I'm doing my docent tours and come by. And then the third thing that I'm going to be doing is, and I don't think you knew this, is that I'm an amateur photographer. No. And yes, and I have been honing that craft for the past eight months. I've been taking many photography classes online, been going out with my cat. You can see me all over Pasadena with my camera. And, um, and so that's what I want to do. I want to really create something that's very visual and beautiful that I can leave in the world along with the words from the books. That's awesome. So what led up to your decision to say, I'm shutting down shop and I'm I'm doing some new things versus, you know, kind of dabbling and doing a little of all of those things. Well, you know, part of it was because I remember saying to friends when I was 40 years old, nobody wants to see a 60 year old woman up on the stage. And so I was still on the stage and I was over 60 years old. And I said, you know what? I think it's time for someone else to come with some new, fresh ideas. You know, I, I still get contacted about nice girls don't get the corner office. I mean, I, I get 
you know, letters almost every day, but I get, you know, calls to, to talk about it in now webinars, not so much keynote speeches, but in webinars. But I, but I think that it's time for some new fresh ideas to be out there and to make way for that. So that's number one. Number two, I'm not getting any younger. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think my father died when he was 62. My mother died when she was 70. And I'll be 70 next year. And I decided, you know what? Do the things that you have been wanting to do, that you love to do, that will bring you joy and still make a difference. And for me, that's always what's been most important, has always had to be part of my brand, is making a difference. Mm. And you make a lot of difference because you've actually founded two nonprofit organizations. Tell us a little bit about that work. Yes, I did. Um, when I was at ARCO, I founded MOST, Motivating Our Students Through Experience. And that paired professional women with girls from inner city schools. And I did that when I was in my doctoral program because I was counseling. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was counseling some young girls um, who were the daughters of uh, police officers. And I, I was listening to their stories and I was thinking, you know, many of these young girls don't have any female role models that work outside the home or that work in corporations. And I wanted them, you know, it's the old, if you could see it, you could be it. Yeah. And so um, I gathered together many of my friends in human resources around Los Angeles and founded most. And then uh, Bloomington Foundation, I founded in uh, about 12 years ago after my own uh, challenge with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer right at the peak of uh, nice girls don't get the corner office. And so I needed to take a year off to really take care of that and get healthy. And and as I was doing that, I realized how lucky I was because I had all the resources I needed to heal. I mean, financial resources, personal resources. I had my own business. I had employees. You know, I, I, I had everything I needed. And there's too many women out there who aren't that lucky. And so I founded Bloom Again to provide rapid response financial assistance to working women who live at the poverty level Mm. when they get diagnosed with cancer. So we pay their rent. We pay utilities. We pay for food. The only criteria, you don't have to pay it back. The only criteria is you have to live at the poverty level. You have to have been working for the past two years and you have to uh, have been diagnosed recently with an illness. Wow. So again, it's all of your passion going into your work, right? Whether that's philanthropy and volunteerism or or it's running your own business. Um, absolutely. And and Jason, the question I thought you were going to ask me about was my brand. And, <laughs> and I was ready for that question because when people have asked me this over the past 25, 30 years, the answer has always been the same, that that my vision, my brand is to create significant and enduring change in the lives of the people I am privileged to serve by Mm. providing competent, compassionate, and creative consultation. And so, Lois, how did you come up with that pitch that you just gave? What went into that over time? Uh, My values. And that's what I tell everybody that whether you're starting your own business, and I was just talking to a young woman about this uh, last week. We were doing some telephone coaching. She said, I'm not sure what I want to do, how I want to do it. I said, go back to your values. Our values will always guide us, 
right? And so it was really about my values, about being competent at what I do, being courageous, right? Absolutely. Um, and creativity is important to me. So I just went back to my values and I combined that with this notion that my own personal belief is that I am here to serve. You know, that when I serve, I am living my best life. Absolutely. So has that brand evolved over time or how has that changed for you or how have those elements maybe massaged as you've matured or as you've done different types of work? Well, I think the compassion was always there. So you know, <laughs> that I don't worry about so much. I mean, definitely the competence has increased. I mean, how do you not be a continual learner and develop a depth, not just a breadth? Because I, I always felt I had a breadth of competence. But, you know, as I stuck with one field and I stuck with coaching, um, I, I felt like I developed a depth. So I think that happened. And then the courageousness, Jason, it's like, Jason, I am willing to say and do things now that I wouldn't say and do five years ago. Right. And I think you've seen it. You've seen it on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that evolve over the few years that we've been connected on LinkedIn, but I feel like on LinkedIn, you know, I was out there, you know, months ago saying, you got to vote. We can't let this craziness continue. Now, I would never have said that before because mm-hmm. I would think, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, you know, hey, look, I'm a nice girl. I'm a recovering nice girl. Right? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes right down to it, I'm a recovering nice girl. So, but what I realize is that if things are important to you, if you have certain values and you don't see them being replicated in society, then it's my responsibility to say something. It's not my right. It's my responsibility. Absolutely. And thinking about intentionality, because when I think of brands, it's all about these intentional choices like what you are speaking of. What are some intentional things that you do to show up as courageous, to show up as creative, to show up as competent? How does that show up in terms of actions and behaviors? Yeah, uh, you know, there's a saying about, you know, having the courage to speak the unspoken. And I think as a coach, that's how I've always seen myself as having the courage to speak the unspoken, to say things to my clients that need to be said and others aren't willing to say. Mm. And so, you know, it shows up there. It shows up um, in my willingness to go the extra mile, you know, in terms of the competence and the compassion right? The willing to go the extra mile. And, you know, I'll never forget one, it was Christmas Eve and the phone rang and it was a client who had just gotten terminated, an executive, got terminated on Christmas Eve. And yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm going, who, whose brilliant idea was that? He worked for a big defense company. Um, yeah. And when I saw his name come up, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be an hour conversation. But you know what? I took the call because it was the right thing to do. That's showing up and that's Mm -hmm. living your values. And that's, you know, just making yourself available. If I believe that I should be serving, it should not only be when it's convenient for me. So, you know, I think those are some of the ways that I show up. Um, And I think, you know, also showing up and doing things that I don't always want to do, too. Yeah. 
You know, but you know, I, I never forgot. Um, what I get is a lot of requests from people who are writing books for a blurb for their book. So yeah. I know when you write your book, when you write your book, you have kind of, Lois, can I have a blurb? You know, can I have an endorsement for the book? Be careful what you wish for, Lois. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I remember getting a book that wasn't particularly good. And I said to my literary agent, you know, what do I do? This was early on. What do I do? And he said, Lois, you can always find something nice to say. And I've never forgotten that. I can always mm. find something nice to say. It may not be the most ringing endorsement but you know somebody worked really hard on it and they deserve a kind word and i also remember the people who i asked for kind words and if i named them you would know their names (laughs) who just blew me off right yeah yeah so i love this whole notion around your values driving your brand what are some some examples or times you've had where you realized there was a kind of a conflict between those values and what you were being asked to do and how did you stay authentic but maybe still deliver for your client yeah that was really hard i'm thinking of two in particular let me start with this one it was an african-american woman And she was an attorney and she also happened to be a big woman. Okay. She was, she was just a big woman. She was tall. She was big. I'm not saying she was fat, just a big woman. And so she could be intimidating to some people because she was also Mm. very smart, right? She was very articulate. She was, you know, an attorney. Of course she was articulate. And she was sent to me for coaching because people felt she had some rough edges. Mm-hmm. And so I started off with a 360, which we often do, which is to get feedback from people all around her. And when I put the 360 together, it showed that the people who report to her loved her and her peers had no problem with her. It was her management that had the problem with her. Mm. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road, right? The management is paying me <laughs> <laughs> and they want her to change. And I thought that they were um intimidated by her mm-hmm. that's what i really think happened because she was an attorney she had to tell them things they didn't want to hear mm-hmm. she had the courage to speak the unspoken and <laughs> you know no matter how she said it they didn't weren't going to want to hear it and so that really was a place where my my values kind of you know really met up against the client and where I said to the client, to, the, to this the, the black woman, I said, you know, I can teach you how to meet their expectations. But the fact is, is that I don't think you need to change. So mm. you need to make a tough choice. If you want to stay here, you need to change. You're playing the game on their playing field. If you don't want to change, you need to find a bigger playing field. And I'm happy to help you with either, but I can't be asked to do something I don't think is right. And then being able to go back to the management and saying essentially the same thing, that you don't pay me to change people. You pay me to solve a problem for you. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that solution may be finding a way to maybe give her a severance package so that she can go and find a better placement for herself. So that's an example of how my values really bumped up against the requests of the client. Absolutely. And it really is talking all about being courageous, competent, and creative, right? (laughs) In in solving a problem. Um, 
Now, Lois, I know you have coached and written for so many executives and leaders. What are the biggest pitfalls that you see executives falling into around their brand? The biggest pitfall is not having a brand, Mm -hmm. is not understanding that they are a brand. So they don't even think in terms of a brand. That means they haven't defined the brand. And if you don't define your brand, how do you know which behaviors you should be engaging in? Because the brand communicates to the world in non-technical ways who you are and what you're capable of right? Yeah. Your brand is what people say about you behind your back. It's the word on the street. And the biggest thing I see happen is executives not paying attention whatsoever to that. And when you call it to their attention, then the second biggest thing is them um, kind of poo-pooing the idea and saying, you know what, it really isn't that important. What should be important is that I do the job and I do it well, and that will speak for itself. And how naive is that? You know, you and I both know (laughs) that that's naive. (laughs) Um, So so that's probably the biggest mistakes. And also, you know, and I'm thinking now, this wasn't an executive, but it was one, you know, I used to be on CBS radio with a coaching tip of the day. And every once in a while, we'd take calls. This woman called and said she had a uh, preschool and she wanted to know how she could build her preschool, you know, build business. And I said, okay, so first tell me what makes your preschool different than all the others in your community? And there was silence, right? There was silence. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, if you can't tell me that, you can't build your business, And I think that's what branding is about, is being able to tell people, you know, what you do and what it means. And you asked me two questions today. How do I introduce myself? Well, I do these three things. You asked me what my brand was. Or no, I told you I wanted to tell you what my brand was. (laughs) And I told you what it was because I had developed it for so many years ago. And it, it just kind of rolls right off my tongue. If you can't do that, then how are you going to distinguish yourself from all the other great people out there? And there's a lot of great people out there. The brand distinguishes you. And I know that you coach a lot of executives when they're falling into trouble, right? Or or they've hit a roadblock. What advice do you have for folks where they've fallen off the rails and gone off brand? How do they recover from that? Yeah, I just finished coaching a woman like that. And I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to hold the mirror up to the person and 360 feedback does that. So my suggestion is get 360 feedback because there's a saying in coaching, if three people say you're drunk, lie down. (laughs) Right? So if you're getting feedback that you're off the rails, you you cannot deny it. You can't say, well, that's just everybody else. It's not everybody else. So, so you get the, first you get the, the mirror held up through the feedback. Then the second thing is, where's the leverage to change? People don't change because it's a nice thing. That does not happen. They change because they want something. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember a guy when I was trying to find the leverage one time, just saying to me, I'm a good Christian. And I want to live my life as a good Christian and not be seen this way. Okay, great. I'll take that. 
right? Some people want promotions. Some people, you know, I don't know, they want other things. They want more money or they want whatever. But everybody has, you got to find the lever. That's number two. And then number three is being willing to be humble. To get back on track, you have to be humble. You have to go, and this is what I coach my clients to do. I want you to go back to the people who gave you the feedback and I want you to tell them, thank you. I appreciate the feedback. I'm taking it all into consideration and I'm working on it. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to say, well, you're really right. You know, I really do screw up in this area. You don't have to say that. You don't have to say that. But you can say, I hear, I heard it, I'm working on it, and I appreciate it. Now, that sets it up for people to look at you differently. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you say that, it's sort of like saying you're going to go on a diet, right? You say yeah. you're going to go on a diet, and then everybody's looking to see if she's losing weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you say, I got this feedback, and you're going to see me listening more, you're going to see me asking more questions rather than jumping in, you're going to see me doing this. People are going to look for you doing those things. And so you need to set it up for people to see it. And then you need to engage in specific behaviors. And that's why in the branding, my my branding model suggests that you can have a brand. Like, you know, I talk about competent, courageous, right? Creative. But the camera can't see those three things. The mm-hmm. camera doesn't see courageous. The camera sees me sitting down with a client and saying, this is a difficult thing to say, but I feel like we have the kind of relationship where I can say this to you and you can hear it, right? So you need to take those adjectives that you want people to use to describe you and you need to apply behaviors. You know, I often say to, you know, to people, to leaders especially, that when you walk out of the room, you want to have somebody say, there goes a leader who fill in the blank. Now, whatever you fill that blank in with, you have to then take that and apply specific, observable, tangible behaviors. Because people don't know us by our intention. They know us by our behavior. Absolutely. It's all about peeling that onion, right? And really understanding you know, mm-hmm. what did people see? What did people hear? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And and we even when we think we've been as clear as we possibly can be, um, sometimes we're not. You know, it's hard to see ourselves as others see us. Absolutely. So I have a couple final questions for you. We're talking all about branding. So what is your favorite consumer brand? What What brand are you obsessed with that you must have? Oh, what consumer brand am I obsessed with? This is going to sound so elitist. (laughs) But it's going to be Mercedes, right? Yeah. And I've had Mercedes and I love them. And then when I sell them and I think, you know, because then I get to be kind of iconoclastic and I go, you don't need a Mercedes, you know, like, you know, you don't need a Mercedes. You just get a regular car. Um, And then I do that and then I go... Look at that Mercedes down the street. I wish I had that. (laughs) Um, And the reason I think that I'm obsessed with it is, number one, it it has always been the most comfortable car I've ever ridden in. It has, I have felt the safest in that car, right? And And I have never had problems with my Mercedes the way I've had with other cars. And so it's not just the cachet of the brand, but I believe it's also the quality uh, the quality, you know, and the comfort. 
And it delivers for you every single day, right? And it does when I have one. I don't have one right now. <laughs> but I'm still I'm looking at <laughs> Well, since we're not going anywhere now, I guess it doesn't uh, matter, no. right? It's my bicycle that gets more, <laughs> more traction than anything else lately. Well, I was going to ask you if you were a car, what type of car would you be? Would you also be a Mercedes? I would. I would be a Mercedes GLC 350E, which is like a little crossover hybrid. And that's what I would be because, you know, I like to have the crossover because I do a lot of gardening. And so it's easy to slip things like big things of dirt and, you know, all kinds of It's easy to slip <laughs> them in the back. <laughs> and when I do a lot of traveling, you know, it's easy to slip suitcases in the back. And now that I'm a little older, it's a little bit easier to get out of than a sports car. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, um, Dr. Frankel, what is the best career advice that you would pass on to others? You know, I thought it would be something else, but can I give two? Yeah, we'll always take two. All right, I'm going to give you two. And I'd asked permission. So women, <laughs> you know how I feel about asking permission. Forgot that I asked permission. I should have just said, Jason, I'm going to give you two. The Stop first, being a nice girl. I know. The first one is you pay in advance for capacity. Mm. And that was the best piece of advice I ever got. Um, when I started my business. And what it essentially means is that if you are starting a business, you have to put money out up front when you can least afford it, mm-hmm. right? But if you want to build a business and you want to have an infrastructure that can withstand new business coming onto it, then you have to pay in advance for that. And I, I remember the moment when I had heard that, you know, and I'd had that in my head. Um, but then I remember the moment when I said, I have to act on it. And I was sitting in a client's office and I was thinking about all the things I had to do when I got back to my office. And I thought, that is not a way to be present with people. You know, that's just one of my values. Like, how can I be present with people and be thinking of something else? And so at that moment, I decided I'm going to hire someone, even, you know, part time, even though I can't really afford to hire someone, I'm going to hire someone. Mm-hmm. It was the best thing I ever did because my business after that increased exponentially. And so, you know, I'm not saying it happens for everybody, but it worked. So that's mm-hmm. number one. Number two would be, to just to know that you are good enough. I think so many of us, myself included, we have been motivated throughout our lifetimes by feeling not quite good enough, not quite smart enough. I remember the month that I got my PhD, I was talking to a friend. I was thinking, you know, I'm thinking about maybe going back and getting a law degree. Now, what is with that? <laughs> what is with that? It's like, you know, I didn't need any more, I had more degrees than a thermometer. I didn't need any more degrees. Um, but I think that for many of us, both men and women, you know, we, ha- we feel that we're not quite good enough. And after all these years, as I look back, I realize I was always good enough. I just didn't know it. And I would like more people to know that you are good enough. And to capitalize on it and work with it. Work with where you are. Well, Dr. Lois Frankel, thank you for being more than good enough. Thank you for being spectacular and sharing your thoughts and advice. Thank you so much for having me on, Jason. And I wish you luck with your brand. Thank you. And we'll be back in a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? 
The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. All right. I don't know about you, but it was such an honor to talk to Dr. Lois Frankel, especially on the verge of her launching the next chapter of her career. You know, there were so many great nuggets in there, and I just want to highlight a couple of them for you. You know, the first thing is that whole notion of courageousness, her courageousness to launch her own business and really think what is in the center of her passions her strengths, and ultimately what the market was looking for, and her courage to look at new chapters in her career, which is something I think we can all do and evaluate what's the next chapter in our career. And finally, I really loved how she reminded us all that our brand is ultimately about actions and behaviors. It's not just about fun words and declarations of who we are and what we want to be. Ultimately, it's about those things that we see you do and hear you say. You know, Lois really talked about what people can see on a camera, and I love that notion. In fact, I'm going to challenge you to go back and imagine that we are launching a new reality show and the star is you. And for the past week, a reality show film crew has been following you around your home. And if you're an essential worker going to work, your work, and we're looking at you on your Zoom camera for all of those meetings that you're on if you are work from home. I want you to right now imagine that we're sitting in the editing bay and we're editing your first episode. We're looking at a week's worth of tape. What did we see you do? And what did we hear you say? Ultimately, That's the definition of what your brand is. As Dr. Lois Frankel said, it's what people are saying about you when you're not in the room based on what they've seen and heard you do already. Well, that's your homework. Do that audit. What are those actions and behaviors? Which ones of those are working for you? Which ones of those maybe need to change? And that's our show. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode coming out every Tuesday. And of course, I'd love for you to rate the show and leave a quick comment and review. Follow me at Jason Patria on all social media platforms and make sure to follow me or connect on LinkedIn so you can get the latest on how to lead with your brand. And just remember, in your career, don't be a commodity, be a super premium brand. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.